Welcome to the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations podcast episode 25, Navigating Diverse Skills and Abilities in the Virtual Workplace, the Transition from Service Member to Civilian. I'm Stephanie Menefee, and today we're joined by Dr. Larry Wallace Jr., retired Army Captain, President of Wallace Brothers and Associates, Mayor of Manor, Texas, and NCU alumnus. Dr. Wallace, welcome and thank you so much for taking the time to come chat with us about making the transition from military life to the virtual workplace. I appreciate the opportunity. Um, As an alumni, you know, I'm always here to help out and support where possible. Thank you so much. Um, So the theme this month for CAVO is diversity. Diversity in the workforce is something we've been hearing a lot about lately. And as we know, there are many facets to diversity. So today we'd kind of like to talk about diversity in terms of skills and abilities and how we can translate those skills from one industry to another during a transition. And when I think about workforce transitions, military comes to the top of my mind. And even more specifically in our current global environment, um, those individuals transitioning from the military into the civilian workforce virtually. Um, You know, I know you have a great deal of experience in this area. So thanks so much for coming and speaking with us today about the very important topic. Um, You know, before we get started, I know you have 20 plus years experience in this area, and I'm really excited to get your perspective. But to get us started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Uh, Born and raised Texan. Uh, Let's see. After high school, uh, tried college a little bit, didn't necessarily work out. So I ended up going into the military, the Army, as a human resources person, enlisted, uh, did that for about four years, and then went to the reserves, went through drill sergeant school as well, and uh, went to uh, University of Texas Arlington, where I did ROTC, got commissioned as an officer, uh, went back on active duty, and then Ended up uh, deploying to Iraq in charge of all of southern Iraq's post offices and then redeployed with infantry organization. And from there went to NATO, where I served as their deputy of operations and intelligence uh, before I took command and served in command of of a NATO organization for roughly uh, almost three years. Uh, before going to Fort Bragg and serving as the Human Plans and Operations uh, Division Chief for the Army Special Operations Aviation Command, and then went over to serve as their Secretary General Staff, Executive Officer, and then retired out of there as their Deputy Chief of Staff. Uh, Since 2017, moved out here to the city of Manor, where I served as Executive in Residence for a vetted uh, organization called Vetted that helped with transitioning service members. Uh, I also worked with the University of Texas System as their Director of Veteran Support and Leadership Programs for the 14 different campuses uh, before I, um, well, simultaneously, but before I actually became uh, the mayor for the city of Manor, which is the uh, seventh fastest growing suburb in America right now. Uh, lastly, I currently serve as the chair for our local community veterans engagement board, which is chartered with our central Texas uh, healthcare system, VA healthcare system. I now serve as the chair for the military spouse economic empowerment zone for the state of Texas. And uh, I think that's about it. Other than the things I'm already doing here at North Central University, serving on the school of business uh, 
uh, professional advisory committee, uh, now leading the military work group to help uh, increase the great things we're already doing for the military population here at North Central University as well. Wow. You're busy. This is awesome. Thank you so much. I um I really appreciate hearing your background and, you know, how you got until this point. I think it's really valuable and our listeners are um are are going to really enjoy hearing what you have to say to us today. Um so first, I'd like to talk a little bit about, you know, military transition and what it means. Um for so many, I think this transition is just a really it's a whole new life experience and we often hear that transition is less about leaving the military and more about integrating into a new culture. And so can you tell us a little bit about what transitioning means and the challenges retired service members face during their transition away from military life? Yeah, absolutely. And so, you know, with this question, I think this really hits home with uh, the book that me and uh, my former boss and I did together collaboratively, uh, which is approved to to go on the shelves within the Army Army and Air Force Exchange uh, system. And we had it vetted and reviewed by senior leadership of the Department of Veteran Affairs, as well as a lot of other entities, just to make sure we're, we're hitting on message. And when you're talking about transitioning, it's, it's the mindset, preparing your mind uh, for the expectations, realizing and understanding what the real environment looks like. You have 200,000 individuals transitioning out of the military every year. So it's not just you know, you and a couple hundred, it's, it's 200,000. Plus you have the 200,000 the year before that may still be looking for jobs and the year before that, that may be looking for jobs and the veterans that are also already in jobs looking for jobs. And then the non-veterans that are probably looking for jobs. So when you start realizing that and understanding reports like the 2018 military to transition uh, reports and seeing what the commonalities as, as stressors and then also realizing that the um, transition assistance program by the Department of Defense is is legislatively designed to provide only the mechanics, meaning meaning the basic templates of how to put together a resume, how to do interviews, not tailoring to your specific knowledge and in, 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 in intellect and experiences, um, but only giving you those mechanics. You quickly realize you have to now build relationships in in the systems and structures you're so used to in the military like the uh like the sponsorship programs and the social support institutes and so forth you now have to create and 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 duplicate that in your civilian life that you're getting ready to go into and how do you do that using linkedin using these different resources to try to identify who are the who are the right people both from the veteran both from the military population, but also the civilian. And the civilian population is so crucial because documents tell you only 20% of the U.S. population has any affiliation with the military. So you are coming from a culture that 80% of the population has no, no affiliation or correlation to. Um, so transitioning really is about how do you start to understand that new environment what things mean and how you can correlate your environment to that environment to then begin to translate how you talk, dialogue, and engage. That's really great insight. And I, you know, I 
understand that the culture piece of it is a lot different. And I think that, you know, within that military culture, our service members are learning different skills and abilities. And so can you tell us a little bit about what types of skills and abilities service members bring to civilian groups that might not already exist on those civilian teams? Right. You know, the the main thing most people always go to is the loyalty, the trustworthiness, the the hard work and dedication. Uh, yes, that, that's true. But some of the things individuals don't really realize is um, just because we don't have the corporate or the civilian credentials doesn't necessarily mean um, they don't have the the Lean Six Sigma waste management or the project management knowledge and skills and experiences because the number one asset for the military is human capital development having to make sure that an individual is training both uh academic wise self-development and on-the-job training to be able to assume two levels higher than what they're currently working in and a lot of times it's that what we call the military decision-making process. It's basically saying, this is where I want to be. This is where I am now. Let me backwards plan where I want to be to figure out what I need to do as far as milestones, small milestones, large milestones, so that I get there at the time date designated. And that's the same thing as Lean Six Sigma. Um, so you have that piece in it. The other piece is for us in the military, we just can't quit a job. Uh, it is very different than any of our first responder peers, any of our law enforcement peers. Uh, we can't quit our job if we don't like who we're working with. We don't like the organization. We have a contract. And uh, that also creates a ability to persevere, to work through differences, to, to work through disagreements, because at the end of the day, leadership by the military's term is accomplishing the mission and enhancing the organization through motivation, purpose, and direction. Thank you. I am hearing you say that our service members are really kind of getting the same experiences as those in the civilian life, but just under incredibly different circumstances. So in that light, how can leaders and managers and even even coworkers recognize and help retired service members integrate into their new teams and how to how to bring those skills over you know the the best way to assist a service member uh or retiree a veteran whatever the affiliation is 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 assisting them to understand the civilian professional timeline um, we have our military professional timelines that tell us uh, at this rank, you should be doing these types of jobs. And, and these are your, your core jobs. And these are your broadening jobs. And you should have this type of education level. And you should be doing these types of positions. And if you want to get to this next level or you want to get to these fancier jobs, these are the things you have to do. So it's kind of laid out as far as what I need to do. Am I above, with, or below my peers in this progressionary process? And we don't have that coming out, and we don't even know where to go coming out uh, of the military to the civilian world. So that's where a lot of the reliance and in, 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 in kind of being lost, even with 20, 30, 
35 years in, even up to the four-star generals level, where we've been in these leadership positions, but we probably also didn't do profit and loss. We didn't do um, uh, budget management. We didn't do EEO complaints and, and recruitment retention. We didn't, we didn't do those specific things that are, that are common with, uh, local hiring, firing and, in and, and budget management. So we need corporate America to really be able to sit down with us and say, all right, what's your experiences? I know that's what the title says, but what did you really do? And I know you were in these different types of organizations, and, and there are a lot of infantry organizations. There are a lot of military police organizations. But what was the population you supported, the population you served? What type of bosses, peers, and subordinates you have? Because even though those organizations may have had the same purpose, mission, and maybe the same outcome, the way you had to go about it, the way you had to build relationships, the way you had to navigate is probably totally different. And so now you're able to figure out your value proposition and what you're going to bring to the table day one. Now let us identify within my industry, my company, my department, if it's a fit or not a fit. And if you still want to be here, then these are the different types of civilian credentials or education or training or prerequisite positions you need to go to to be able to get to where you want to be. That's really fantastic advice. Um, so how about on on the other side, do you have any advice for retired service members working on making meaningful connections in the civilian-centered workplace? I, I think every person that has gotten out the military has turned around and said the same thing to the ones that are still in, that I waited too long to really put any attention and focus on it because by culture, we're so used to doing the job that we're currently there for and having the services and the systems there uh, while we're active duty um, that are no longer there when we actually make that transition. So it's really about, hey, once you take that suit off, how have you prepared yourself to take care of you and your loved ones? And you're going to probably have to burn the midnight oil to do both of them. But if you don't properly plan a year, two years out, then you are setting yourself up for failure to utilize your transition leave, to utilize those last few months of being paid as your time to try to quickly compensate for the year, two years when you could have been paid and you had some time to really work on that. The other piece is the how much effort you put into creating your master resume of everything you've done, both meaning volunteer stuff, everything. And what was the financial impact? Financial meaning, you know, even if it was volunteer hours, you know, that's worth time to somebody. That's worth time. And, and time means money. And how are you actually monetizing the benefit of what you have done? And if you can't put a value to it, then it then in most businesses, it's perceived as wasted effort, wasted time. So how are you creating that master resume that's going to list all these things out? So then you can look at it and figure out what you normally do, where your successes have always stemmed and resulted at regardless of the organization, regardless of the unit, regardless of the situation, you've always did these things uh, from day one. Or you always did these things once you learned how to operate with that new environment. 
when you do that, you're going to become self-aware of what you bring to the table and also enhancing the conversations when people ask you, well, what are you good at? What do you like to do? What are you looking to try to do? Because if you don't take that time out now, that's going to end up being why most people end up spending about a year to two years still trying to figure out where they fit. That's really fantastic insight. Um, and and I heard you say at some point a little bit about the work-life balance. And you know now we're kind of all in a virtual work environment. So how does everything we're talking about now fit in the virtual environment? You know, the service member is now doing all of these things that they would usually be doing in a face-to-face setting online, sometimes at home and kind of trying to get that work-life balance all together all at once. So, um, you know, can you tell us a little bit more about that? When you, when you start talking about doing things more virtually, I, I can recall uh, early on when I retired, I started doing radio personality for for uh, for a studio, and how I naturally talk to a person face to face versus talking to someone having to be recorded on video, especially now as mayor doing a lot of public service announcements. When I felt I was being engaging and dialoguing and having my true character come across after I recorded something I wrote down as a as a snippet between songs being played, it sounded as if I was reading it directly from the paper with 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 uh, no emotion. And so when you start talking about you no longer have your ability to read off of what other people's emotions, words, or to be able to provide that additional clarity of even though I gave a joke, um, you can see me to know that I'm joking and I'm not really being honest or, or, or trying to come off rude. You have to really be more conscious and cognizant of those things and sometimes doing more of the is that clear? Does that make sense? Is there anything that, um, you know, anything additional that you may have questions or concerns on? Uh, because you have to make sure um, you're, you're really truly getting across to the other individual when all those other nonverbal signals are no longer available. Um, you know, they may just be seeing you waste up. Um, also, you're talking about how do I make sure lighting or or the background, you know, the virtual background when 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 it doesn't operate as I need it. How does that detract in that first engagement, that first encountering? You have to take all those things uh, to a higher degree than just making sure I got the right clothes on. I didn't put too much perfume or cologne on. And am, am I not wearing anything that may be a competitor in going in there and making sure that I just have my quick wit on me to be able to answer and respond to the questions they have? I'm kind of chuckling to myself as I hear you tell your story and all of these considerations because, um, you know, there are things that most of us in the civilian world have had to deal with recently this year. And so I can understand that it's really amplified for someone who, um, you know, is, is working already on transitioning and then having this on top of it. And, um, you know, it seems to me, and I think that we have a lot of listeners um, who would be interested in, in helping their fellow service members kind of come into this virtual environment that we're all living in now. So do you have any specific advice 
um, you know, for leaders or managers or, you know, team members help, you know, trying to help with those meaningful connections and considerations in the virtual workspace? Definitely. Uh, there, are, there are a lot of different groups. Uh, like I said, you have the Military Spouse Economic Empowerment Zone that, that was launched through Hiring Our Heroes. And, and they have quite a few of these local zones uh, throughout the nation in about four states now uh, that, that are trying to now have a state level support to these local, local entities. And so you can look out to those and see how to be able to help out and support. You have the community veteran engagement boards here within Texas. We have 10, um, and they're national as well. And they're chartered with the VA's experience office and, and, a lot of the community veteran engagement boards are actually service providers. Uh, the one in Houston, Combined Arms, provides actual services and tries to assist people transitioning. So you can look through that as well. Um, uh, some some other things, like I said, I mean, you, you can always go if you want to and, and, and take a look at our, our book, The Transition, Preparing a preparing for financial combat that the name behind that is every decision you make will have some type of financial impact on you. And so planning properly, having your mindset ready, building the right connections, engaging with organizations the proper way, all those things have some type of financial impact on you. Um, And then I know the army is currently talking and trying to plan to put together a uh, ETS exiting. uh, uh, I forget the acronym for it, but uh, when service members leave the military, now they're trying to create just like they have the mentorship program, one for those exiting the military. Um, So the services department of defense is starting to realize they do need to provide more opportunities and segues of assisting individuals transitioning. Uh, you probably have local uh, county level, county veteran service officers. You have other organizations and entities out there. Uh, the campuses have their own veteran service uh, departments, uh, centers for veteran successes. So nobody has to do it alone. There are entities and organizations that are out there. That's great. That's really great advice and really great resources that you're sharing with us. I'm, I'm wondering um, more specifically, you know, if if I, you know, say I get a new team member, um, you know, f- retired service member, and I can kind of tell maybe they're having a little bit of a hard time um, acclimating. Is there anything that I can do, you know, as a civilian team member to kind of help them? feel more comfortable in the new space? Yes, there's a lot that you can do, honestly. Uh, And this kind of probably falls into what we try to do as far as coaching and mentoring with Wallace Brothers and Associates is helping people to be able to correlate their natural experiences with the new environment. It's not a full, you know, 180. I have to basically... Uh, forget everything I was taught, learned in my military time. No, the the same type of uh, leadership that didn't talk to you or the leadership that didn't give you a lot of information or leadership that was too busy, does that relate to someone that you're working with? If you're now in an environment that people just don't talk and and, and have this free decor and, and, and hang out afterwards, right? Can you reflect back to a time and how did you manage that? 
the same way as when you go into a, a new organization, you know, what did you do to set yourself up for success, even though you didn't know how that organization operated? Because you're a part of that organization, you can help that individual start to see where some commonalities are so they can they can be able to adapt quicker and they can start to bridge that that common knowledge factor so they can be able to utilize their already learned experiences to utilize that in this new environment to help them uh, succeed quicker. Yeah, that's fantastic advice. Um, you know, really, thanks so much for all this wonderful information you've shared with us. Are there any additional pieces of advice or bits of wisdom you could leave with us today pertaining to that transition from the military to the virtual workforce? Um, you know, right now working with uh, the university, uh, serving as the, the as the lead for the military work group and strategy development. And what we're looking at is how can we continue to enhance even that transitioning, that assistance, that personalization, uh, that mitigating dropout, uh, enhancing enrollment as well as graduation rates, maximizing veteran benefits, uh, 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 assessing how their military experience may better align with one degree versus another and so forth. We're working on that right now as we speak uh, with North Central University because they realize this is an area that is oftentimes not truly um, uh, focused on or appreciated uh, just across academia. And one of our goals here is to try to establish a best practices uh, model for online institutions. I mean, most people know about the Institute for Veteran and Military Families from Syracuse University. It's great. It provides a lot. I've gone through almost most of their programs. But some of the hardest things for uh, service members, veterans, retirees, even if they're still in or out of the military, is how do they get that support and assistance from online universities? Um because they don't have that physical ability to walk into a place and ask questions. Yeah. And that's something that I'm, I personally have to say, I'm selfishly so glad that you're here with us um, to help us navigate. Dr. Wallace, thank you so much for joining us in support of the Center for the Advancement of Virtual Organizations. We truly appreciate your insights and we know our listeners will benefit from your experience. No problem. I appreciate it. Anytime. Anytime.